Okay. Laura? Yeah? You? Me? The one and the same. Author, author, journalist, uh, podcaster. Person who word do, word doer. Exactly. Executive doer of words. And terrific organiser. And I always appreciate what you do here each week. Uh, corralling us, you know, <laughs> us naughty boys, me and Conrad, naughty little school kids off behind the bike sheds, <laughs> nipping off for a quick cheeky cigarette. Um, I appreciate that. And I know you always put the show together, but I did uh, go over your head just a little bit. And I do have an, alter- I do have an alternative set list uh, that I've been working on. Um, that I'm going to put in the <laughs> chat for you. Okay. And, and if, if you want to like just go through that, maybe let the viewers know that what I've decided we're gonna we're gonna do. Okay, this is Jim's topic list for the week, and I got no prep on this. Which there was a perfect opportunity for Jim to prep me on this. There's always a point in the topic list where I go, "Do either of you have anything you'd like to talk about this week that you'd like to add to the topic list?" Yeah, I thought I'd save it. I thought I'd save it for you. Okay, what have we got? What if glass could think? Doesn't bear thinking about, does it? <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. I'd have never made it without my business onion. I carry one everywhere, but don't you have one? Sort your life out. I carry it in my pocket. (laughs) That time the cast of Friends shot blood from their eyes on a bet. Definitely remember that one happening. Late, later season one, they were running out of ideas. I need to check if this is one item or two items on the list because it's unclear from how Skype's cut it. It's one. Okay, Jim's mystery box snack. Right, those are two separate items rather, I mean. (laughs) That's what I was checking because I wasn't (laughs) sure if there was Jim's mystery box and then we're stopping for a snack or... There was a snack in Jim's mystery box. Yeah. Well, here was the original plan, was I'd brought a mystery box in, and I was never going to tell what was in it. And you'd ask me all sorts of questions, like, what's in the mystery box? And I'd go, oh, I'll never tell. And then more and more progressively, the pair of you promised me gratifying favours. But we could combine the two, because after that, like, I mean, I'm going to get hungry partway through the podcast, so I thought, well, snack. Time for a snack, you know, get some Lunchables in or whatever. However, I now think we should do the set list as Jim's mystery box. Oh, I'll never tell. Snack. (laughs) And then Jim's mystery box snack. Also, I feel the need to pass this on. I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard someone refer to Lunchables as child charcuterie. Mmm, that's perfect. And I love that as a concept. I think that's a wonderful turn of phrase. Hey, class it up. That's what I always say. Yeah. Next we have... Kirby versus Gandhi, who wore it better? That's been playing on my mind, so I think we'll get to the bottom of that burning question at last. I want to hear more about this one. This one's vaguely video game related. Jim, do you want to get into the specifics of this one? What are you talking about? I expect you to give us a good five, ten minutes on this. Right. Tricorn hats, specifically. I mean, yeah. Like, the pair of them have never worn tricorn hats, to my knowledge. However... Who would wear it better? It really should have been... I mean, the ongoing series we're going to do is is who wore it better, where we will pit a video game character against an historical figure. However, uh, I did pick Kirby and Gandhi and and realise that they don't actually have any, any crossover potential when it comes to togs. Jim, I have to stop you here. You've clearly not done your research, and this is why you don't get to make the topic list for this show. Oh, no. You just said that Kirby and Gandhi, neither of them have ever worn a tricorn hat. Uh-oh. Actually, if you look up the Kirby wiki, in Kirby Fighters 2, Kirby wears a hat called the Pirate's Tricorn. It is a black tricorn hat with yellow lining and a yellow star on the front. Wow, this is bullshit. I don't remember this. Yeah, I was pretty sure I'd seen Kirby in a tricorner hat before. All right, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, there you go, Jim. You didn't properly research who did or did not wear tricorn hats. Setting aside that it seems possible that Kirby is the only one who wore it, let alone wore it better, I'm going to make the argument that Kirby's going to look better in it, because that's, it's about contrasts, right? You have the tricorner hat in combination with Kirby's totally round body. You know, you put a tricorner hat on Gandhi, it's all angles. And while we're on the subject of crossovers, I would say that it's all about the juxtaposition between these two, especially in regards to eating. Well, I mean, that's funny you should say that, because while you were talking, I was doing my research, and it turns out that not only did Kirby wear a tricorner hat, I will make you right on that, Gandhi has also inhaled Link. <laughs> <laughs> so there was crossover potential between the two. There you go. 
There you go. I failed on video game history and history history. So that one's on me, folks. That one's on me, in which case... Uh, I think we will skip the fuck off sad Roger section of the show and go to the second snack part of the show. That sounds good. Yeah. What have you got for second snack, Jim? Knickknacks! Oh, what flavour? All of them. I like all of them. I like nice and spicy, I like ribbon saucy, and I like lemon, the other one, scampi. Ah, see, I love nice and spicy. The ribbon saucy, yeah, they're pretty good. Can't stand the scampi ones. Can't stand the scampi. Well, in that case, I'll have yours. Can't stand a scampi knickknack. I'll have yours then. I can't get enough of them. And I like the the other one, the the, the scampi. Like, what are those fucking things? That you, you see them in pubs. They're they're hanging around at the back near the peanuts. They're the little lemon and scampi things. You eat them. They might just be called scampi. <laughs> But I ship them in sometimes from the United Kingdom. Uh, used to get them when, if you, you know, go to your dad to to the to the pub when my dad was s- still around, you'd go in there and, and if you're lucky, you might get some scampi out of the bargain. Yeah. So you know, now I, I get it for myself, and then I give myself the scampi for being very good. <sighs> So anyway, that's not only is that my version of the show. Um, I mean, I was basically doing the segments as you were reading them off. So we are done. We are done inside of eight minutes. Yeah, your topic list has lasted us a grand total of seven minutes. Boom. Now we're cooking with onions. Business onions. I guess we're done for this week. We can go have the rest of the day off. That's it. That's all I've ever wanted. You're such an efficient showrunner, Jim. You have such a concise topic list. Right? And they call me a disorganised, shameful mess. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I've gotten this done. So now I can just sit around in my underwear eating cereal. So who's the mess now? Well, I mean, you know what we could do if you really, really wanted to? Right, only if I want to do it, though. If you really want to do it, you know, I could maybe tempt you to talk about a video game. This is wrong. You know, you could do that once or twice. What you're proposing? First of all, it's not approved by the church, of which I am the representative <laughs> on this show, the closest to. Let's be honest. I'm the closest to God out of all three of us. So I don't approve of it. And it's not even me saying it, really. It's God. Yeah, but have you remembered that that will let you talk about Hades again if you agree to video game talk? Hades is a video game. I tell you what, right? Have you unlocked the final aspect of the gun? I have not unlocked the final aspect of gun yet. I won't spoil it. But not only is the gun ridiculous, but the aspect it's based on... And I guess I won't spoil that either, because they're based on gods outside of mythology. Well, in this case, let's say mythological figures, rather. Yeah, it's one of the more mainstream ones. And if you get it to the final boss, there's a wonderful dialogue exchange about it. I highly recommend seeking that one out. Yeah. I must say, I've been getting better at Hades this past week, I think. I had some good luck on stream the other day. I managed two back-to-back successful runs against... I did one with my Gilgamesh gloves, my preferred weapon of choice. And then I managed to squeak out my first win with a weapon that wasn't the fist. I got a win with the gun. Seeing you win that was delightful. It was wonderful. You were so happy. It was a clutch win. I'd had a really bad selection of upgrades along the way. I'd not had a chance to refill my death defiances. On the very last level, I got that upgrade that if you have no death defiances, you get slow health recovery. But other than that, all I really had was poison bullets and the crystals you can drop down that cast chill. Right. And I somehow got through with no death defiances by just doing a lot of dodging. Yeah. The region is, is if you can get it, I've barely seen it. Yeah. But yeah, that the last time I saw that was a big lifesaver for me. But it came down so close at the end. Oh, God, yeah. I, I think if had clocked you... Beep what I just said, Justin. If the last boss had hit you one more time, I think that would have cinched it. I don't think it's a secret to say who that boss is. It might not be a spoiler anymore, but someone will complain. That regen, it was right down to the wire. I did not think I was going to make it through. It was real, yeah. I think I had the Athena boon so that every now and then I could just get full invincibility for a couple of seconds, which helped to be like, okay, Protect me long enough I can drop down the crystals and get back somewhere safe. But 
yeah, I feel like I'm good enough at the game now that I don't just have to use the one weapon I'm really good at and I can get wins with other stuff maybe now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's good because you're incentivized because you can start getting more di uh, diamonds and, and titan blood and all of that for your upgrades and other resource needs. As opposed to what I had been doing, which is just like, keep adding heat with these fists. I like the fists. You're just going right through it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's still one way to do it. Yeah. And I'll probably go back to doing that soon. Yeah. Although, I mean, the more you crank up that heat and get used to it being difficult, it'll, you should retroactively make it a little less painful when you do the other weapons and you can crank it down. I've been finding the first two bosses infinitely easier as a result of making them harder with the good weapon. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's made a really big difference to my runs. Yeah, these days, if I'm doing too bad against Meg uh, Megara or, or the um, Hydra, then something's gone wrong. Yeah. Or I'm streaming, in, in which case everything always <laughs> turns to rubbish. Yeah, I'm continuing to have a good time with that game and find things that I didn't know. What else have people played this week? I didn't play Hades, that's for sure. Oh, that's for sure, is it? Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do still want to get back in there, but I just, yeah, been too busy and, and have had other things to play. I've been playing some of that Fall Guys Season 2. Yeah, I've been playing a bit of that. How are you finding it? I really like what they've added. I think it, it certainly adds a new dynamic with the movable objects being the, the biggest addition that I've seen. And I, I'm sure there are, is stuff I haven't seen yet because I played for three hours in my first session and it wasn't until my second session playing that I saw the one where you have to build the bridge between the walls. Yes. Or you have to climb over the walls by building the, by organizing the platforms. It wasn't until my second session that I saw the new game with the eggs. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the new map with the eggs. I like that map a lot. Infinitely better than the original. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I like the way that it is. It's it, defense feels like a much more viable approach to protecting your stuff because you really you can just have one person running back and forth across the top of the gate to just stop people from getting up there as a last line of defense. And then if you have one other person that can just hop around inside and keep both lanes from being occupied at once, you're, you're set. Meanwhile, thievery is maybe a little less easy to do, but it's way more satisfying. And once shit's out, it's out. And you really have to hustle to get a, a gold egg back in. And, the yeah. you know, there's so much distraction going on. It's, it's a really cool map. I think they really seem to have learned a lot from what people did and didn't like about some of the games in Season 1. Mm -hmm. Like, even stuff like the egg game in Season 1 was one of the ones that I was always a bit like, oh, this always feels like a bit of a crapshoot. I don't feel like I'm hugely in control of the outcome. All of the games in this feel like I have a much better sense of I am in control of whether I will do well or poorly here. Mm -hmm. That's been really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on the new version of the ring jump. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone who's not played it, instead of being a team-based game where everyone just like, ah, oh, which team can get through the most hoops? Which is still around. That still comes up in the rotation. Yeah. The new one is, as an individual player, all you've got to do is get six points. Regular ring is worth one, gold ring is worth five. The difference is there's movable slopes. And the game that you are playing is, I need to move this slope closer to that ring so I can climb up the slope to jump through the ring. However, if I'm pulling the slope closer, I'm not on the slope and someone else might be on the slope and it's trying to inch it closer to be like, I think I can make that jump, but I don't think they'll be confident enough to make that jump. I'll pull it to there and then climb up and try and jump through. Oh, it's real good. Well, and then there's a sort of a perception uh, awareness strategy that you can employ mm. where a lot of times you start to pick out those people who are, you know, just on the fringe, nobody else around them, trying to move that block on their own and get back on top of it before, yeah. you know, someone else comes along and you can be that someone else who comes along and steals that fucking ring. Yeah. It's that zoning game of trying to stay just far enough away from them that they don't notice that you've noticed them. Yeah. So that you can wait until like, oh, you're just in range. I'm getting that one. Yep. It's real fun. I like that one a lot. I did have an incident where I very quite clearly jumped through a gold ring and it didn't register. I had one of these on stream as well and everyone told me about yours. I clearly got through it. 
and I didn't get credited for it, and I was not happy. Yes, I was quite displeased by that. But, uh, really good game. I like the new race, uh, Night Fever. Oh, yeah. The new season of Fall Guys, for those who aren't aware, is medieval-themed. Sort of, I guess. Like, the new content has some medieval vibe to it. Like, are the walls you're trying to climb over have, like, castle ramparts on them, and the swinging things that might hit you, they're swinging axes rather than swinging hammers. Yeah, but then at the same time, it's not across the board, so all of the old games and stages still have their old appearance, although jazzed up a lot. There's uh, some really... They've polished a lot of animations in and and things like that. It it looks good. Yeah. Um, It looks better. It's clear that they spent some time changing the basic stuff, but didn't decide to integrate the new visual side. It's a choice. Makes it feel less thematically whole, but whatever. I don't don't really care. The race is fun. Uh, It introduces these big pendulums that the the timing, learning the timing of is one thing. Figuring out the timing when there's two or three other people trying to do it around you is another. Being stood just in the place where you'll be able to get past it and not getting knocked forward by the person behind you who also wants to be stood exactly there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so really like that one. Um, it, there's bridges uh, seem to be a fairly common occurrence in these new maps. Lots of pairs of draw bridges. Yeah. Uh, so I like the draw bridges. Those are fun. What's the other game? Mm, what is the other game? Oh, it's, well, it's the wall climb, which I've only played oh, once. Yeah, yeah. And that one is that. Mm, I don't know if I'm ever going to get good at that. If that were more common. I would probably have a chance to get better at it. It's one thing that I think is a little odd about Season 2. It definitely feels like it has waited, like, mostly Season 1 with some Season 2 levels sprinkled in. Yeah. And I wish at least at the start of the season, they'd sort of flipped that balance. I think it's front-loaded with new content, yeah. Yeah, front-loaded with new content, because I want to get practice with stuff like the castle climbing one, because I've only come across that once. Right. And I can see what I did wrong, but I haven't had a chance to try and learn from that, because it has come up so rarely. Oh, another change and it's minor uh, i don't know that it actually matters because it was always sort of kind of impractical to begin with but they've lo- they've eliminated the maximum number of winners from slime climb they're just like acknowledging yeah right okay this is hard enough <laughs> i appreciate that yeah have you tried much the gauntlet mode that they've added no i haven't touched that at all actually and and i should probably dig into it a bit i've dug into it a little bit Basically, do you just not want to play team games? Oh. Do you only want to play stuff that is everyone against everyone? Okay. I knew something like that had to be coming. Yeah. There were so many complaints. That's the gist of it is generally it's the run to the finish line, everyone against everyone. So you've got your slime climbs, your... What's that season two one called with the swinging axes? Night Fever. Yeah, Night Fever, your seesaws, your fall mountain. Basically, all of us are trying to get to the other end of this and there's no team games involved. Okay, well. And I don't know that it's the mode I want to be playing all the time, but it's nice to have it there. If you have a couple of runs in a row where you've lost because of really shitty team games Mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck this, I don't want to be playing team games right now. It's a nice little, just go play over there for five minutes, and when you're feeling calm down, come back to the main mode. Mm -hmm. Is it scored the same, or...? I believe so, yes. Okay. It is just, do you want to slightly differently select the games that you play? And I'd love to see them do more with this, like, have different playlists. Like, do you want to be mainly playing the new Season 2 maps? Go do the Season 2 mode. Do more things like this, like, do you want to specifically do these kind of maps? Go do those. And I get that they can't do too many of those because it splinters the player base somewhat. Mm -hmm. But it's a different option if you just cannot stand team games. Interesting. Yeah, I've not played enough of it to get a firm sense of what things are definitely in there and not in there. Mm -hmm. But the general gist seems to be anything where it is everyone and there is a goalpost to go, those maps. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I believe Full Mountain is always the end of it. I think it always uses Full Mountain as the final round. Hmm. I believe that is the case. Or someone told me, and I've not fact-checked that it isn't correct yet. It seems the most in line with the other stages leading up to it. Yeah, Full Guys Season 2 has been pretty fun so far. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. I've played some things this week. Can I tell you about them? Yes! You sure can. God, yes! I've been playing one thing in particular I've been playing a lot of. Mm -hmm. I've been playing Iconfell. 
Ickenfeld? Oh, you showed, you talked about that and you sent me some messages about that. And you said that there was that enemy that looked like my mask. There's an enemy that's a star with some eyes and it keeps reminding me of your mask. Your wrestle mask. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real nice game. Mm -hmm. It is the first game that has gotten me to leave Hades alone for several days in a row. Fucking hell. (laughs) So the short version, it is a indie, top-down, pixel art RPG. It's about magic school, but like, hey, look, are you looking for a wizard school game and you don't want to support the one by the turf? Go play this instead. This is good. You play as this girl whose sister went off to magic school and you never got an invite. You had no magic powers. You were just the ordinary kid. And one summer, your sister just doesn't come home from school. And you're like, I'm just going to go head to the magic school and work out what the fuck's going on. And as soon as you set foot on the grounds, oh, fire's coming out of my hands. That's not supposed to happen. What the fuck's going on at the school? This is not normal. In terms of its gameplay mechanics, basically it's a turn-based RPG with a grid-based system as part of that. Every character will have different attacks that will attack in different patterns on the grid, so like one attack might fire on a single space two in front of you, one might hit for less damage in a crisscross pattern all across the stage. It's all about position yourself and then do your attack so that it will hit where one of the enemies is. You've got a movement phase and an action phase. Unlike a lot of things that are magic-themed RPGs, there's no magic bar, there's no MP system. The strategy is purely in this attack does more damage but hits a more specific area, this hits a wider area on multiple targets but does less damage. Tactically, what do you want to use? It doesn't limit your ability to do things over and over, with the exception of, I think, healing magic has like a one-turn cooldown. Mm -hmm. The combat system is really, really satisfying. I think my one complaint about it is that the fights can sometimes last a little long. I very much enjoy the first time I fight a new enemy. It is very much like, ah, this is a really good level of challenge. I don't necessarily want to do that fight over and over and over again. Thankfully, the game has an answer for that. This game has a bunch of really good accessibility settings in its menus for a bunch of different things, one of which is, do you want to just have a victory button on your combat system so when you get bored of fighting like turn-based enemies, you can just click the victory button and they will die and you will get the experience for them, which I've been using that a bit. I do want that. Yeah, because like the way I've been playing this game is 100%. If I see a new enemy type I've not fought before, the first two or three times I encounter it, sure, I will do the whole fight, It'll be really cool. I uh, work out my strategy, move my figures around. I feel like I've got that enemy now. Like it's not challenging me anymore. I've worked it out. I'm just going to get the experience and skip the fights until something turns up for me to fight. And that has fixed basically any of my problems I would have had with the combat. Other stuff that they've got in other aspects of the combat system. If you've played anything like Paper Mario is the most obvious thing that comes to mind. RPGs where they want you to press a button in time with when your attack lands or when an attack hits you to maximize the damage you deal or to defend yourself better. It's got one of those systems. If you are shit at those systems, there is an option in the menus to just be like, I think the three things are like bad, good, and great. You can have it so that it never gets the worst one or you can have it so it always gets the best one or somewhere in between and be like, look, I don't want to get absolute zero, I'm shit at this. You can get it to just always be at least passable. Sounds all right. Yeah, good if you struggle with that mechanic. I like that it's got these little tweaky things in there. The narrative has been really charming. This game has a really good cast of characters that all feel very distinct from each other. Very, very, very gay. Very gay. There are lots of LGBT characters of varying varieties. Hey! The thing that keeps making me like, oh, you clearly got some LGBT people to work on this. They've got multiple non-binary characters that don't use the same pronouns as each other. There is a person who uses they, them pronouns. Oh, Oh, deep cuts. Yeah, there's a non-binary person who uses they, them pronouns and a different non-binary person who uses z, z, neo pronouns. And I'm like, you clearly had someone who knows what they're doing there. What? They said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't be done. They said we, what we should do is we should just like put in a token trans in a game <laughs> and then keep reminding the audience that they are trans in the worst way possible <laughs> and not ask anyone if that's the right way of doing things. Oh yeah, this game 100% walks that line really well of, oh, you're aware of the identity of that character, but it is not just being trotted out constantly to be like, do you remember that that's what they are? Jesus hell damn ass fart. 
that's that's an impossibility. And non-binary characters that are very different from each other in their presentation and appearance, and that they're still both just as valid as non-binary characters, which is awesome. Yeah, it's just a charming little game about unraveling a mystery in wizard school. And it's really sweet in its writing, and the music's all very good, and it's very colourful. Except the opposite of One Done by a Turf. Oh, god, yeah, no, like, I don't think this is going to be a reference point either of you are going to be particularly onto, but for anyone who's been watching Owl House, which is a Disney animated show that's happened this year that is very LGBT positive as well. Is it about a house of owls? Uh, There is a house that is an owl. A house that is an owl? Yeah, there's a house that is an owl. Oh, that's, that's a dilemma for me because a house full of owls is great but a giant owl house sounds like something it's a regular house but the door has an owl face on it and the owl face can come out like it's a snake and it's a very obnoxious owl face okay it will just hoot at you and get very weird it's a very weird owl the deal was getting worse as you described it but then you said owl snake Owl snake is compelling. Owl bears are pretty cool. I will show you a picture of the owl snake. I think you'll be on board when you see the owl snake. Alright. But yeah, for anyone who's been watching Owl House, this has real good Owl House vibes. Go find Jim this owl now. This owl snake. We'll we'll look at this owl snake, and then I'll judge it. I'll judge its owliness and its snakiness on a rating of owl to snake out of ten. I mean, this will probably do. What the fuck is that? (laughs) And it's vomiting up books. That thing looks amazing. <laughs> Are you on board with the concept of Owl Snake? I might check this out. I might, I might look at this show. <laughs> it is an amusing show. Yeah, Eichenfell is a well put together, just grid based combat RPG. Very cute, very sweet. It's got really good music, really nice visual style. All of the characters are really charming. And it lets me do the thing that I always appreciate in an RPG where it's like, hey, just let me skim through the random battles without having to actually do them once I get bored of fighting that same enemy I fought a bunch of times, but still get the experience I need to be leveled properly. Let me do that. That sounds all right, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got content warning settings in there, if that's a thing that you want. Mm -hmm. Those are really thorough and really well thought out. A lot of care has gone into making this game accessible to a lot of people and inclusive of a lot of people, and gotta commend them for that. They have nailed what they were going for. You'll love to see it. Yeah, I've spent like two days just playing this non stop and not gone back to Hades in that time. This is the thing that has convinced me to be like, I can take a break from Hades to finish this. So yeah, I highly recommend it. I've not yet finished it, but unless it like massively shits the bed in the last like couple of hours, I think it's probably going to be a very easy recommendation. It has made me smile for a couple of days. It's a good game. Very good. Yeah. What about both of you? Have either of you played anything else this week? Before that... Linguistic question. Yeah. Do either of you think it's possible to be taught how to read without learning what letters are? Hmm. This has been playing on my mind. You see, on my Twitch TV channel, Twitch TV Jim Sterling, and also Laura K. Buzz and that Conrad Zimmerman, right? I sometimes play, you know, I like to play my random things before I start a stream. And I've been streaming Letterland which is an old reading series, like a VHS tape and bed books and little pictures to put on classroom walls. Various anthropomorphized um, letters. And the video, I was just watching it, starts with a book opening. And the first page says, inside books are are strange little markings called letters now first of all if you don't know what that is my first thought was how are they reading the book and then I thought well is it is it possible to learn how to read but somehow have missed what letters are like to the point where You'd open a book, think, what the fuck, and then just start reading. I'll say this. It's possible to understand a spoken word without being able knowing individual letters. Sure. Absolutely. Because I recognise that sound, and through process of association, I recognise that that sound means this thing. Yeah. I suppose that without knowing what the letter A is or how it's pronounced, you could see the shape of, say, the word hat and go, I recognise that shape. That shape is that thing that someone wears on the head. Yeah. So I suppose. I mean, I, 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 how does that syllabus manifest is, is my question, because I, I have faint, faint glimmers, memories of childhood, almost based around the consumption of pop culture, like many of my age. And 
The first thing they teach you is the letters. One of my first memories is letter fucking land. Yeah, yeah, and, same. And I played on Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling the other day. I played a bit of um, Look and Read, which had the magic pencil, which would teach you just letters, which, you know, teach words at the same time. But they were like, no, 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 no. Shut up, kids. It's time to watch a pencil write the same letter six times. So, you know, the letter N, top to bottom, up and over and flick. Because, you know, fucking cursive in the 80s up top to bottom up and over and flick six times really drill it into your fucking head so if they're not teaching letters what are they teaching them with my tax dollars is is the question what have they done because <laughs> they ain't teaching them how to file their own taxes which would be helpful I found out recently that my high school actually, I think, now does require a class that teaches you how to balance a checkbook and file taxes and shit. Right. Well, they have failed you. Go back and get a refund. Yeah, no. Where was I? You know? Why didn't they think of me and my needs? Yeah. You were just off having a cheeky cigarette behind the bike shed. No discipline. That's your problem. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That is what I was doing. Yeah, you weren't brought up, you were dragged up. And that's why I've taken charge of you as my young ward. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you sorted out. God, if anyone knows how our lives are, like, off off of all this, (laughs) they'd see the fucking irony in what I just did. And what I just tried to pull on Conrad. Oh, shit. Don't worry, Conrad, I'll straighten you out. No doubt. Yeah. I, 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 I believe in your, your ability to get me to fly right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We have a laugh on this show. We do. So have either of you played another video game? Arguably. Arguably. I know, Conrad, have you done anything? No. Just full guys. Yeah, just Fall Guys. It's yeah, like, really? That's the only thing I've played, unless I'm forgetting something. Compelling game. It I is. I haven't done Fall Guys Season 2 yet. I've meant to, but then I've had Genshin Impact downloaded for ages, because I just want to see what all the fucking fuss is about. <laughs> I haven't done that. I've barely done anything except Hades, but I panicked when Laura asked what we played before we started the recording. I said, I can't just come with just Hades in my bucket. I can't do that. Desperately scrabble. I mean, I've got like eight games on the list. I can just talk to you for an hour if you need me to. Well, I scrabbled <laughs> to think what else I might have touched. And I do recall that I played two hours of Silent Hill 4 on a stream. I do recall that. Like yeah. Concerning. And by two hours, I think collectively I may have like altogether done 20 minutes of it because the rest of it was fucking around i haven't even shown you goblet hat harry like i showed everyone sad roger on my my shitty masters of the universe animation cells god damn they're awful and i focus so much on sad roger fuck sad Roger. oh god let me tell you about sad fucking roger right so if you've watched the gym inquisition all my live streams you might have seen sad roger which i got these really good street shark animation cells they were great I flew too close to the sun in getting Masters of the Universe once. Maybe they haven't sold all the mermen. Of course they have. I was left with Sad Roger. Just this fucking fella with a, a bowl haircut and a beard and a weird fucking floppy wizard hat and he's just looking really fucking bored. He looks like shit. He's no one I care to know. But he's also dressed in Skeletor's color palette. He's sort of Skeletor colored, you'd think. And then that's where Justin said he may be Skeletor in a wizard disguise. That's what people were surmising. And that would have been so much worse if I'd been sent all these shit cells and technically I had a Skeletor one and it was this sad fucking wizard. But no, it's just doesn't even have a name. Is a villainous character, like has a role. (laughs) Apparently sounds like Jonathan Holmes. I've not watched it yet. Apparently sounds like Jonathan Holmes when he does his sarcastic old man voice. But the worst thing is the fucking, there were cells of his full body. He's wearing the wizard robe shit up top and little blue trunks down the bottom. (laughs) Bare little legs and booties. And did I get them? Did I fuck? Upper body, upper body. I am so fucking... Fuck you, Sad Roger, you fucking piece of shit. So anyway, Silent Hill 4 (laughs) is not something I don't think I'm going to stream until maybe I've upped my meds because I got lost in the train tracks forever, going from (laughs) one screen 
instantly forgetting which direction I'd come from and going back, which is to say nothing of the overtime Conrad and Becky have been pulling, fucking having to ring me on Skype just to remind me that I've been streaming a, a big screen picture of my face and not the game, <laughs> and people have had to watch the game reflected in my fucking glasses. Thank God they're so big. <laughs> Oh, your streams are the best. They're very entertaining. It's a fucking disaster. Yeah, but they're your disaster. They're my little, they're my pretty little disaster. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I, I, I think Silent Hill 4 is an underrated horror experience. I've said this for many years. Um, I haven't played it since the 2000s, though, admittedly. It's still got the problems I remember. Combat's pushed a little more than in others, albeit with weapon durability and also the combat is shit. The atmosphere is really good though still. The going back and forth between this first person perspective while you're in this apartment and then going out into these Silent Hill adjacent areas in a third person, in a more traditional third person format is really cool. And the game gets really good about that, like sort of establishing these little holes in the world that you can crawl through to go back to your apartment and your apartment being this safe place where you can heal up and, and everything and as the game goes on it gradually subverting that until the apartment you're in is a hellhole. It's a really really well done game and they, they do some really um, clever little little things with it like the little hole in the apartment wall you can look through and Henry will spy on the neighbour. Notice how I switched immediately from the player to Henry when it came to the spying bit. That bit's on him, folks. Uh, and again, they do funny things with that. Um, well, I say funny, they do creepy bloody things with that. You can look out the window, like rear, rear window stuff. There's a little character uh, characterizations going on outside, di directly outside your apartment where you can look through the peephole. And there are some fun ties to Silent Hill 2, especially. It does play like ass a lot, but it is still a really creepy, interesting, uh, structured uh, Silent Hill game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame Konami mostly tries to forget about it. But hey, good the good old game sort of did the legwork to get it running on new PCs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be nice if more of those games could exist. That'd be nice, yeah. But doesn't seem likely anytime soon. <laughs> Konami can eat a bloody... They can eat my load. Oh. And I, I, God forgive me. Will the Lords above forgive me for what I just said? <laughs> but they can do it with a ladle. <laughs> So I played another thing this week. Mm -hmm. I finally got around to playing that game that all the trendy internet people keep playing. Genshin Impact. No, no, not that one. The other one that like everyone's been talking about and that none of us have played before now and now I've played. Among Us. For some reason, I can't call my character Donkey Kong in Genshin Impact. Why can't I do that? <laughs> oh, it's probably because of Nintendo and copyright, I imagine. Oh, probably, definitely that bit. Just that. And not anything else. Just that. But anyway, well, what's the game that all the cool kids have been playing? Among Us, which is the other oh, game with the little yeah. sort of bean type people, oh. the colourful bean people. Mm. That reminds me, I played another game. Not that, but I'll get to it after this. But I'm very curious about Among Us. Yeah, so... For anyone who's not played it, Among Us is one of those hidden role games, sort of like Secret Hitler. Isn't that most YouTubers? Secret Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see how I fucking... Incisive, right? Razor sharp wit. So the gist of Among Us is that you and a bunch of other people online are trying to do a bunch of tasks on a big spaceship. And all of you've got your own little tasks to be doing and they're all little mini games. So you might have to go to the oxygen area and make sure the oxygen's topped up or go pilot the ship for a minute where you might need to go uh, blow up some asteroids so the ship doesn't hit them. And collectively as a group, everyone's just got to finish their tasks. If everyone finishes their tasks, you win. Except one or more people who are playing will be tasked with doing murders. And to try and keep their cover, we'll have to go and pretend to do minigames and, you know, stay at the minigame for long enough to make it look like they actually played it and try and find someone alone by themselves and do them a stab. And if you find a dead body, you can call a meeting. And that's when everyone starts accusing each other over voice <laughs> chat of, well, I saw you over there doing that. Oh, well, I was with that person, so we couldn't have done it. And 
a lot of shouting ensues. There's a few things they've thrown in to make it easier for the killer to do things like getting away from the crime scene. Particularly, you've got these vents, and you can hop into various vents and pop up in other places in the ship, so you can sort of get around quite quickly. But if you are seen entering or exiting a vent, that is a very clear sign, oh, you're the killer, because only they can go through the vents. If you can play this with a group of people who you know with voice chat, it is a really fun multiplayer experience. But it's one of those games that I would never want to play on a public lobby. Oh, hell no. And that doesn't really work unless you're doing it with voice chat. Theoretically, apparently it's a four to ten person game. Doesn't work very well with four people. Like, it's one of those games that realistically you need to get probably six, seven, eight people together for it to really start working. Yeah, you don't have much to to go on if it's just four. Yeah. Once you get up to, say, like, seven, I think is a good number. Where somewhere around there, there's enough characters that aren't the killers there that a couple of times someone can get killed and you have a few chances to try and talk through as a group what you were doing. Like, you don't just have to work it out on, like, the first time it happens. And that's the major barrier to me playing more of this is I'm not the kind of person that regularly has a group of six or seven or eight people to play an online voice chat game with that I want to be talking on voice chat with. It's also a game that I looked at and thought maybe this would be a good game to stream. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is because it's a hidden role game, you can't do chat interaction because the chat may or may not know things that you don't know. So you can't really interact with the chat, and you can't really talk about what you're doing in the game on stream. I've been curious how people bloody do it. Yeah, so the way I've seen it done, and it seems like some work, is people will set up a Discord call and deafen everyone on the call, and basically everyone just has to play the game, not talking to each other, just silently play the game, and then when a body's found and it's time to argue it out, you undeafen everyone on Discord, and that's the bit where you get to talk to all your friends and work out, like, oh, that's what we were doing. Yeah. See, I imagine that bit, like, is super entertaining and worth getting to. Yeah, and by doing it that way, it does mean that because you've deafened everyone else on the call, the person who is streaming can talk to the stream audience about, like, ah, so here's what I'm thinking, ah, here's what I'm doing, oh, I just saw that, and the other people on the call don't get to be a part of the stream during the parts where they're playing, which is, like, it's a weird dynamic for a streaming game. Yeah. But yeah, if you can get the people together to play it, it is a really fun take on a hidden role game. It gives the person who is doing the bad role a lot of control over ways to fuck with people that can be quite fun. They can sabotage parts of the ship so that they can direct people like, okay, this has been sabotaged, everyone's got to go fix it. I know people are going to be heading in that direction. That gives me an opportunity to get kills in or things like that. The other thing I really like about this compared to some other hidden role games is Let's say you are falsely accused of being the secret killer and you get voted out and you're thrown out the airlock and you were innocent. You still get to keep playing. Your ghost gets to continue pottering around the ship doing your tasks. You don't get to have any input on the next round of like, oh, I think you did it, I think you did it. You can't tell anyone who killed you or anything, but you've still got your tasks to complete and you are still a part of like trying to get the whole team's tasks completed so that they can get off the ship. So you still have little mini games to be doing and you can still float around the ship and go, oh, I know who killed me. I'm going to go follow them for a bit, watch what they do. There's stuff you can do to remain engaged in the game after you've either been killed off or incorrectly voted out and I quite like that yeah so yeah if you can find a group of people it's quite a fun game it seems really really fun yeah reminds me of the Battlestar Galactica board game which I'm an excellent Cylon player in yeah we've got that board game we need to play it more often it's a great game we just don't have enough people to play it with Yeah, it seems like it would be a great game if you could get a bunch of people with laptops in the same room. It seems like it would be a wonderful game to play in a group together if you had multiple screens to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone played anything else? Yeah, you reminded me. I played another one that I guess is sort of popular, um, Annie's Multiplayer. I played Phasmophobia. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I was playing that on Evil Uno stream, actually, on Friday, and that was very fun. We played a couple rounds of it. It took me ages to actually see a bloody ghost, but the premise is interesting. It's in early access. It's kind of messy, but you have a whole bunch of ghost hunting equipment. So you go in a team of four, you prepare by gathering sort of by spending money on uh, to 
buy ghost hunting equipment so everyone's got enough. You've got things like a meter reader, a bit like the one from mm. Ghostbusters that will sort of detect nearby ghost activity. You can put salt on the ground and the ghost might leave footprints. Um, you can look for fingerprints with a UV light. And there are different types of ghosts and each one has different traits. So you go in with different equipment and see like, has it got fingerprints? Right, there are a number of different ghosts that do that. And you collect three bits of evidence and cross-reference that with the type of ghost. And that's the aim of the game, is to go into a haunted location, first find which room the ghost is in, and then start looking for clues and finding out what the ghost is and then booking it out of that. It's got voice recognition. The ghosts have names, which you check on a chart before you go in. You can say their names, they may respond to that. A lot of them don't like that. You can ask them questions. There's a, a, a radio that you can bring in that sort of tunes into them. You can ask questions on that and they might respond. We tried a bit of it, it was a little finicky, but you can do voice chat in game where you can choose to either talk on the walkie talkies or press um, location-based sound. So you can only hear people who you're nearby to. Interesting. And that was interesting. I didn't realise there was a walkie-talkie button for the first two rounds. So most of the time you could just hear me yelling in the distance. <laughs> but it's interesting. Uh, if you piss off the ghost enough, it may start hunting you and then some spooky shit happens. That was pretty good. When I finally... We spent ages looking for a ghost in the first round. Didn't bloody find anything. But once you get hunted, like, there was three of us together. And then you just hear, like, noises and ghost uh, like whispers and stuff and then hear someone being throttled and then you can just catch a glimpse of the body falling and then one of the players has been strangled to death by the ghost right by you and you couldn't see it and then weird things happen to the player then like like you get thrown into some weird eldritch location with the ghost and they'll just finish you off but yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. I don't know if I'd ever play it again, uh, unless unless I was playing it with someone for like content or whatever. It's not something I think I'd play casually. It's a really interesting idea though. And it's one of them games that's pretty fun enough in early access to where there's a good solid shot that this does stand to improve and, and could become something pretty, uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty polished and good in time. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah, it was, it was fun for what it was. Yeah. Hmm. The other thing I saw started playing this week. I started playing through a game called I Am Dead. Charming, cheery title. I mean, it's a lot more cheery in tone than it sounds. It's not super grim about it. It's this lovely little cel-shaded game, a couple of hours long, and the whole idea is that you are this old man who used to be a museum curator and you died. And your whole thing on the island while running this museum was just looking after people and trying to, you know, understand the history of the people of the island and keep a record of what the island was like. And now that you're dead, you know, you're still getting on with life. You go for your nice walks in the morning. And this character starting to realise, like, he wants to keep documenting the town and what the people of the town's lives were like. And he does that by basically going into people's minds and learning about a person by how other people perceived them and their interactions. It's not learning about the people of the village directly, it's learning about them through second-hand accounts. There's not much to the gameplay, it is largely... You'll be given a building, like the first level is this lighthouse, you're trying to learn about this lighthouse keeper who used to run yoga lessons on the lighthouse, and you sort of flick between rooms on different levels and look around and try and find like, oh, there's a person that has a thought bubble, they knew something about the man, or here's a memento that'll help me to progress, and then you sort of go through a nice bit of story about what a person's life was like, and then you look for the next thing to interact with. It's very light on interaction. It is find the next thing and get the next bit of story. You don't shoot nothing. You don't shoot nothing. I'm out. Do you axe anything with an axe? I mean, museum curator, there might be some axes there. No, 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 you don't axe nothing. Okay, now, are there dinosaurs in the museum? Uh, there are dinosaurs in the museum, Thank I think. Thank fuck. Okay, rescued from the scrap eight. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple of hours long, which I think is probably good because I think it would outstay its welcome if it was more than like I think it's about three hours long. Without shooting anything that's about how long I could go. <laughs> it's just a visually pleasant couple of hours of just nice storytelling about people's lives who've passed away and looking at people as being multifaceted. It's interesting for each of these characters you go through seeing how very different they were perceived by the people in their lives and what parts of yourself you reveal to who and why. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a nice way of telling a story, even if it's not making very much use of the fact it's a video game. I had a nice time with it. I don't know that I'm, like, sprinting to be like, ah, I'm going to come back and play this again. Yeah. But there were heartwarming moments and there was some interesting storytelling. That's all right. Yeah. It was not a bad time. There was some very interesting characterization in there that I enjoyed going through. Well, okay. Yeah. We don't got much on news this week, but do we want to talk about the thing we have in the chat, that link that I threw in there right at the end of the topic list? Can do. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this one, Jim? Yeah. You've had some communications that might sort of back up some of what's in this. I mean, it's basically like... We got some people, because it's CD Projekt Red, and we've talked about, I mean, it's what my Jimquisition was about, was the fact that there are certain, quote-unquote, good companies that mm-hmm. become favoured in the gaming community. And it's not the first time, like, my stuff's been shut out or I've been persona non grata because I've dared to fucking talk about these things. But my God, the shit that Jason's getting in, like, a shoot the mess. And don't get me wrong, like, he's handled some shit poorly. He's handled some things the scry away. He's, you know, he's, there are criticisms you could say about him. I mean, about fucking anyone. But, you know, yeah, not always handling things well. He is kind of... I mean, basically being accused of of making stuff up and having an agenda and having other people in games media circle the wagons around CDPR instead of doing their fucking jobs, right? Mm. It's grim to say. Like, a lot of Scry's reporting has been on the money. I've been able to corroborate stuff. Like, it tracks with things. Like, the Rockstar stuff. You know, we had... Like, his report came out, and I was working on a video that came out shortly after, and there was corroborating info in both. Same with the CD Projekt Red stuff, because there was, like, a Game Informer podcast that was basically implying that Jason was wrong. But I I, I would tend to go with the journalist over the podcast of the magazine um, that more or less represents the game industry. You know. You know, the one that that's, that's owned by GameStop. The one that's owned by GameStop and gets all the exclusive um, game covers and everything. I mean, just if we're looking at bias, I'm not saying people on a podcast are biased. I'm just saying if we're looking at, at sus things, why would we look at the journalist? Who has been ostracized for a lot of, like, the front-facing games industry oh. for reporting on this shit, which that's why I get a bit fucking sort of high-horsey about this because I know what that feels like. Well, mm. I, I see so many times you were like, oh, who's Jason really working for? Well, Bloomberg. Oh, he works for Bloomberg. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is, if I'm going to choose a publication that I want to get like news about the games industry, Bloomberg would be a pretty good source because they don't give fuck one about our petty squabbles at Bloomberg. They're interested in what's the financial health and well-being of this company? Is it at risk? I mean, yeah, like they're not worried about getting access to publishers for review copies and preview events and interviews that are led by PR in the first place. Like, I've had many arguments with Jason and stuff. I'm not one to just suddenly rush to his defense no. and, and fucking, like, stand the guy, but I I see where he's coming from. He's been, when it comes to his journalism, he's one of the few actual fucking journalists in games journalism. And, like, again, I've just, I've been there and I've seen the way people get yeah. treated for talking about this stuff. Stuff when it's one of the good ones. Talk about yeah. fucking Activision Blizzard all day fucking long. You dare to apply the same criticisms to a company like CD Projekt Red? Out come the wagons. And those wagons are full of people with guns ready to shoot the messenger. So the reason we brought this up is Shreya has shared a Reddit post that he has apparently corroborated. He has spoken to the person on the phone, being able to verify that they did work at CD Projekt Red. And should I just read some chunks from this Reddit post? Yeah, it gives a highlight. Real. Yeah, and, and let me just say that this tracks, after I did my CDPR Jimquisition, I was contacted by someone who pretty much says a lot of what, like, this is. So I can, ba- I just want to yeah. say, like, I back what Jason shared here. So this is pretty corroborated. So yeah, I'll skim around a little bit in this, but CD Projekt Red developer here. Developers have been crunching non-stop since May 2019, where the management was like, oh shit, we need to make the game, we've got to hurry. We were barely out of alpha at that point, even though most developers on the team pointed out it was impossible to get the whole game done from scratch in one year. If anything, people have been dreading the inevitable two-year death march since long before the crunch started, because they knew it's how CD Projekt rolls. Dick around in pre-production for ages, 
bodies and then rush everyone and work devs to the bone to make up for time lost, and none of them was looking forward to it. We asked, what's the plan if we can't deliver it in the set deadline? And up until December, the answer from management was, we have to. There is no plan B, so here you go. First year of crunch there, first two months delay, then a six months delay. To give you a picture of how low the level of communication between management and developers was, we found out both times on Twitter and social media that the game had been delayed, getting an email from Adam at CD Projekt Red hours after the news was public. Mm-hmm. Same happened with the gold release and any other announcements since June 2019. People getting riled up right now about crunch, just so you know, many people have been spending weekends in the office and doing 16 hours a day pretty much since June 2019, some departments even as far as a year earlier. Every time this was addressed, you'd get the usual copy-paste spiel about we're fueled by passion, we're rebels, this isn't for everyone, which is a cool way to say we have no idea what we're doing, but we have infinite cash and we'll fix everything with more crunch. Conversations end up mostly like this. The management saying that everything is great and cool and we have to believe in the project and our questions and doubts being brushed aside. That's basically the post. Yeah. To the people saying, oh, it's only one extra day a week for six weeks. It's not though, it's the years of 16 hour days that have been going on for months and months and months that weren't technically mandatory crunch and then adding a fourth sixth day on top of that and and i want to add on to like some of the defenses that involve oh well they're getting overtime and all this shit some of them need it from what i've heard you go down onto the the lower rungs of, of cdpr like your qa department and that like they work the overtime because that actually helps them live. That gives them a living wage. The wage they're making otherwise isn't. There are people within that company who apparently cannot afford to live on their salary alone and can only afford to live because they're doing the overtime. And I don't know why people keep thinking that this is like some out of the ordinary concept. I talked about this like a month or two ago when it was the story about Activision Blizzard doing the exact same thing. This isn't some, like no one's even saying that CD Projekt Red is like the worst company or like like it's doing anything out of the quote unquote ordinary we're saying it's just as fucking bad as the companies that it's trendy to dislike and you're gonna have to face that and when you circle the wagons to defend CD Projekt Red my friends what you're actually doing is flipping off the people who actually make the games that that brand name you're defending uh, publishes you're saying it's it's okay for you to be exploited. I I approve of that. Yeah, if you get the game you like. Yeah. You act like you're defending CD Projekt Red because you love The Witcher 3 or, or stuff like that. If you actually loved The Witcher 3, you might actually give a shit about the people who worked on it. But apparently people don't because the game industry got what the game industry wanted. People think brand names make games. They don't. People do. And that's gotten forgotten because that's exactly, that's what we've been, we've been led to believe. I mean, people get left off fucking credits all the time. Any developer who gets too big for their boots starts making a name for themselves inevitably gets booted and ends up on Kickstarter or somewhere making their own fucking games. It's, it's such horseshit. And even then, those developers end up sort of becoming the face of the game. And yeah. fucking Spectre talked about that years ago. The lack of credit that goes on, and it leads to shit like this, the, the sheer dehumanization of people who actually make these games. Yep, I mean, that's just, uh, that's the cycle that, that we exist in here. There's a difference between being pro-consumer and just being fucking selfish. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, cool. Sorry about that. I did another one of them things where I just start yelling. <laughs> that's all right. I think we did it. Did we do the thing? Yeah, we did it. We did the thing. We can go back to playing the nice video games. I think we did it. I mean, just briefly, Activision Blizzard employees are apparently <laughs> planning to strike, so... Ooh. Oh. If that happens, fucking fair play to them. Fucking good for them. I'm hearing there's there's talks of striking, and, and if that happens, I'd love to fucking see it. I will fully stand behind an Activision Blizzard strike. Go ahead. God, yes. I'll do Strike Watch. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's something everyone can come together on, right? There won't be any uh, any people coming to Activision Blizzard's defense or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we can get some podcasts going saying that, you know, the, the workers are lying or something. Oh, oh, you think you think that might... You, do you think there will be some sort of resistance <laughs> to this idea from maybe. people who I have mean... historically been very, very opposed to Activision Blizzard as a company? Do you think that might happen? Maybe if people did YouTube videos on the Activision Blizzard situation, they'd be, like, um, removed by Reddit mods or something. <laughs> I wonder if that'll happen. Uh... Fucking hell. 
Oh, God. Wow. Well, best of luck anyway to... But I mean, best of luck to anyone working in the fucking video game industry. Jesus Christ. Very much so. Cheers to that. Got your work cut out for you. And we, we've done the show now. We can get back to playing video games what we like. Yeah, we'll go back to playing video games, the great and the perfect ones. Let's not leave any off the table. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I'm going to play some Hades. Well, finally finishing watching The Office. Ooh. I always get as far as they make Andy Bernard the boss, and I'm like, this has lost its teeth. And then I stop watching. But I got to the last season, I'm partway through it, and it's actually fucking brilliant, so so I'm doing all right. Oh, that last season of The Office is really smart. It's it's smart and has great, like, drama in it, mm-hmm. and it's also fucking funny. Like, I was so fucking over Jim and Pam by that point in the show. Oh, yeah, well, they've been, they spent so many seasons, like, like, pushing them and putting them over, like, when Triple H came back from his fucking quad injury. Yeah. And then to see what they do with them in the last season is just so, just so nice. It's great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm like midway through and, and really liking it. And I was surprised how fucking funny it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I I'm glad I pushed through this time. Because I've watched it a fair few times, but I always stop at that. That episode where he gets a tattoo on his ass. I'm like, this is getting a bit mawkish. Less the office and more the mawkish. Anyway, that's my life. I was just going to go play more Eichenfeld, I think. <laughs> Laura, while you're playing I Can Fell, and while I'm off having a, a real life, and while Conrad is, <laughs> let's see, what funny thing can he be doing? Riding a Zoid, actually. Conrad will be riding a Zoid. That, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, the, the dragon one. No, the slug one. Um, I like the slug one, thought it was cute. Yeah, the slug one's great, <laughs> and I'm, in not, I'm not in any hurry. I got all the time in the world. Plenty of time. So other people might have plenty of time. They might be on their Zoid slugs and be thinking to themselves, I might, I might want to listen to a podcast or read a book or, or watch a stream or, or give someone money on Patreon. What can I do? Oh, God, what can they do, Laura? Well, Laura K. Buzz everywhere is what they can do. Oh, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. If you can give me as little as a dollar a month on Patreon, it really fucking adds up and lets me keep doing this as a living. Every Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday and Friday, you can find me streaming on Twitch at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Every Friday, you can find on YouTube episodes of Accessibility, which is a series I do of videos about accessibility and representation in the games industry. We've got an episode about Hades going up this week, so if you like Hades, there's a Hades video going up. All about God mode in Hades. Other than that, there's books. Uncomfortable Labels It's out now. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it is available where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is a silly and serious illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews. That's coming out on February 4th, 2021. Getting my, my first author copies of that showing up real soon, and we're hoping to get the people who backed it on Unbound hopefully should have theirs about six weeks before general publication, so I'm excited to get those out to people soon. And then there's Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of non-cis people's positive, gender-affirming, lovely stories. So look out for that in June 2021. I believe it's June 10th, I think is the date we're going with. Other than that, there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game character pornography. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where we talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. You can hear my board game thoughts, my music thoughts, my TV and film thoughts. And then there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 6. Seven with Conrad. Oh my goodness, you sure are. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can find me playing video games on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of Fall Guys, but I'm like, I'm, I mean, it's too late now. You missed it. But I'm, I'm playing Day of the Tentacle today because I, I'm starting to play some retro stuff on Wednesdays, I think. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to watch you do that, Conrad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking Wednesdays might become my do indie games day. Like I might be doing Hades Monday, Indie Wednesday, and then Four Guys Friday. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I think I'm falling into some similar pattern as well. But you can go check that out at Twitch.tv/slash/thatConradZimmerman starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, and then I lead right into Laura um, right after that. So it's a real good time if you like the podquisition crew and jim sometimes even gets into the mix also oh i'm making that more regular it's mustn't miss monday now no mm. oh, hell yeah that's the that's the the logo it's going to be a, a matronly mother and the bisto kids and it's going to go <laughs> mm, mustn't miss monday mother 
Other than that, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. You could just directly support all of the crap that I do at patreon.com slash fistshark. Um, and speaking of Patreons, Jim, you have a Patreon, don't you? I have one of those. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition, which funds things and stuff and people so that's something you can do if you want i mean you don't have to um, and i do twitch streaming on some days different days of the week uh, jim sterling on twitch um, and monday i am trying to do as as a definite schedule thing once i can do it enough times to really know what time I can get started properly. Could be that's Muscle Miss Monday. Mmm, mum, serve me up a steamy, creamy bowl of that Monday. That's right, toggers. Mmm, <laughs> right, yum yum. Because uh, you get your position in the morning, Monday morning. Who said they hate Mondays? Because then a little later in the morning, I'm I'm there doing a stupid fucking stream on Twitch, and then I'll lead right into Conrad, and then Conrad will lead right into Laura. Seeing entire podquisition crew sometimes they're even on each other's streams right it's fucking mind-blowing it's so stupid you'd be an idiot not to be there so that's something else you can do right shove it up your ass for nothing and then fuck off we're, we're done oh and and our friend jonathan our friend jonathan has a new podcast our friend jonathan holmes yeah yep Famous Jonathan, who was on MTV's Road Rules in 1998, right? He's got a new podcast. It's called Talking to Women About Video Games. Um, is it on all the things? I think it's on all the things. It was on, I know it's on SoundCloud, definitely. I think it's on all the things by now. I know it's for sure on SoundCloud, yeah, and a couple other places, and it will probably be everywhere by the time you hear this. Yeah, so look that up, Talking to Women About Video Games. Jonathan is at non-trotsky, N-O-N-T-R-O-T. S-K-I. SKI. I thought it was, but then my brain told me there's two S's for some reason. There isn't. Um, anyway, do that. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 That was a nicer way to end it than me telling them all to fuck off. <laughs> when you say, oh, please support me on Patreon, and then saying, fuck off. That'd be just, that's just, it's uncalled for. It's not cool. <laughs>